Turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Uh, this is the first text that we will uh, be examining during uh, a very important, important uh, season in our church's life. Uh, the next seven weeks... Uh, are going to be critical to the future of Indian Creek Baptist Church. Uh, this ser- sermon series that I'm starting today is in answer to the question, what kind of church is Indian Creek Baptist Church going to be? What kind of church does God want us to be as a church? Uh, this is a series on vision. That is, God's given us a mission And that's clear from Scripture. It's the same mission that everybody, every church of Jesus Christ has because he told us clearly in his word we're to make disciples and teach them to observe all that he's commanded in Scripture. And yet each church is situated in a unique context, in unique circumstances, with unique gifts and opportunities. And so how is that mission going to connect to our unique circumstances as a church here at Indian Creek. So please, please, before we get into this text, let me just uh, implore you to uh, make the next seven weeks a priority in uh, your own schedule and spend time daily praying for our church. Because what we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to take scripture, apply it to our church, and then you'll have the opportunity to say, uh, to ask yourself the question, am I in or am I out? Am I, am I excited about what we're talking about here? Am I on board with what we're talking about here or not? And um, so please make that a priority. Uh, you'll have the chance to respond to these things uh, in some pointed ways. And we'll also have, in conjunction with this sermon series, uh, something called a vision dessert. You each have received a, 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 an invitation to that vision dessert Uh, in the mail. If you haven't gotten one of those, um, that's probably the post office's fault. We'll just blame them since they're not here. And um, we'll just call the church office. We'll get that fixed. But that's coming up in a few weeks. Uh, I will be at each one of those events and be able to talk with you a little bit more in depth about what's going on in the life of Indian Creek Baptist Church. So please, please make it a priority. You also... uh, On the way out the door today, I just don't want to forget to say this, Uh, each family in our church uh, will be given a packet of really important, critical information. There's going to be a devotional, a family devotional guide in that packet, and each one has a label on it, has your name on it as a household. And so please don't forget to send someone from your household to pick up that packet before you leave. If you don't pick up your packet, someone is going to bring it to your house. So um, save them the trip. Please don't forget to pick up your packet on the way out. If you're brand new today and you're our guest, probably we don't know your name, and so your name's not going to be on one of those packets, but I think we have, do we have extras, guys, uh, for people who don't have uh, their name on a packet, and that'll be fine. Okay, so please don't forget to do that. I want to pray here uh, after we read this text, and just I'll just mention one quick prayer request. We need to pray for those who are deployed this morning from Indian Creek uh, doing ministry elsewhere. Uh, Pat and Carla are leading music uh, for Gordon First Baptist Church, 
uh, for the next four weeks, and they're serving that church. Cliff Spain is preaching at City View Community Church here in Mineral Wells today, so we've got our members kind of spread out, and then, of course, our uh, I think um, the W family is ministering elsewhere this morning, too, so uh, let's be praying for them as they minister. But for the moment, let's turn our attention to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 13. Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to him, everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, the the kind of church that we want to be is a faithful church. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant one day. But we know that we can't do that in our own strength and certainly not on the basis of our own wisdom. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open up your truth to us this morning and help us to understand what your will is for Indian Creek Baptist Church. We know the mission that you've given to us, but how do we apply it specifically in this year, in this location, with this group of people? Father, we're asking you for your guidance and your wisdom and your provision. Lord, we pray as well for our uh, church members ministering literally in <laughs> all across the globe. Father, we pray for the McMillan family as they serve in the Yucatan, that you would 
uh, build them up and protect them physically and strengthen them spiritually and cause them to bear fruit for your glory. We pray for Pastor Guy as he continues to minister in Spain. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would make him a blessing to the churches there. I pray that you would use him to reach souls for Christ. And I pray that you would give him insight into what the next steps are for that particular region of the world and his involvement in it. Father, we pray for the W family as they're ministering outside uh, of our church today. And and for Cliff, as he preaches at City View, even as we speak, and for um, Carla and Pat, as they uh, uh, serve the church and Gordon with uh, leading their music. Father, I pray that you would pour out your spirit in each one of these circumstances and situations, and that you would bless them with uh, just wonderful, fruitful ministry that rejuvenates and re-energizes them to serve you in even greater capacities. Lord, I pray that your word would be clear, your presence would be felt, your spirit would empower us to obey what you've told us to do today. I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Do you remember what it felt like to hear the sound of your mother's vehicle pulling into the garage or the driveway? She had said she needed to, to, to run a few errands. She would be gone for a couple of hours. You reasoned it would probably be about three and a half hours based on prior experience. She solemnly charged you to complete four distinct chores. Clean the bathroom, put away the clean dishes, run a load of towels through the laundry, dust the ceiling fan in the living room. You had done these things dozens of times before, so you did some quick arithmetic in your brain, and you totaled up the time required. 35 minutes, if you hustle. She left. Now, you had two hours and 55 minutes to do whatever you wanted to do. You poured yourself a glass of milk, plated up three or four cookies, put them into the microwave for exactly 13 seconds to achieve optimum melting of the chocolate chips, walked over to the couch, found the remote, plopped down in your favorite spot, turned on the TV, and began the process of becoming a vegetable. And then you heard that sound. The crinkle of tires on crushed stone. The automated garage door, the hum of the engine as it approached the house. Two hours and 15 minutes. How could you have known that she would be gone for only two hours and 15 minutes? You leap from your chair. You clear away the plate and the glass. You rush to the bathroom. You spray some air freshener on the sink to use as like your, your, you know, your Windex and wipe it off really quick and thinking maybe she won't notice. You rush to the kitchen and frantically begin to empty the dishwasher. She's still out there. Maybe she's finishing a phone call. You might be able to get it done. You... The, the towels go in the washer, uh, the, the ceiling fan, you turn it on high and maybe she won't notice how much dust is on there. And then the door opens and in walks mom, bags in hand. You can tell she's been sort of rushing around, working hard, getting things done and you sort of try to pretend like you've just, you're just wandering around the house because you're so bored because you've just completed all the chores. But your mom's not dumb. <laughs> And she starts to piece together what had happened, and your life is basically in mortal danger in that moment. So it sounds like you know the situation that I'm talking about. 
And I've been on both sides of this equation. And now that I'm a parent, I can say that I 100% side with mom. She gave you life. She makes sure you have a warm place to sleep and a hot meal every now and then. She overlooks so many of your faults. She sets you up for success. And you couldn't do four little chores for her that would take 35 minutes. I have to say, on the flip side, it is such a joy to come home from running errands or from work or whatever it is, a meeting, to find that your children have done what you ask them to do. I mean, isn't that a good feeling? You walk in and, and you think, you know, man, I bet these kids, they probably didn't do what I told them to do. And you walk in and it's done. Isn't that wonderful? I mean... If you're a parent who loves your children, you love it when they are faithful. When they steward the responsibilities and privileges you've given them well. And Indian Creek, this is what our Heavenly Father, our Father who loves us, wants from us as a church. He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be a faithful church. He wants us to steward the responsibilities and the privileges of our royal lineage with care and attention and diligence. He wants us to be a faithful church, not an important church, not a church that's better than the one up the road, not a church that's known for its innovative programs or its cutting-edge coolness or its affinity with certain cultural stereotypes, but a church that is just faithful. That's it. Indian Creek, I, I know you want to be faithful. And so this morning, I want to take a little bit of time to talk about what that means. In fact, this is really the point of the story that Matthew records for us from the lips of Jesus in Matthew 25. The story we read a moment ago is a parable. A parable is a fictional story that makes an important theological point. I've heard somebody say a, a parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. Now, this particular parable's meaning is tied up with the context in which Matthew has situated it. Jesus, beginning in chapter 23, he's inviting us to think about ultimate things, about last things, about judgment and salvation. So he begins in chapter 23 by uttering a word of woe against the religious teachers of the day, these hypocrites who will not survive the day of judgment unless they repent. He then goes on to describe the impending destruction of the religious establishment altogether in chapter 24 when he talks about how the temple itself will be destroyed and the saints will be scattered to the ends of the earth. Finally, at the end of chapter 24, he, he focuses our attention on the end of the age when every single one of us will stand before our sovereign king and our ultimate judge, the Lord Jesus Christ, and will be like a servant. Some of those servants are wise, some of those servants are foolish. A foolish servant says, my master is delayed. Like he's just taking his time. I have all this time in the world. I have all the time in the world. A wise servant is one who understands that he must be ready at any time for the coming of the king. Watch, therefore, Jesus says, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Matthew's original audience must have seen the relevance of this teaching from the lips of Jesus. The first people to read this gospel were living right around the time that the Roman government lay siege to the city of Jerusalem and, 
And uh, it would take a long time, but eventually the armies of the Roman general Titus would storm the city, lay waste to that magnificent temple complex just completed a few years before, burn down the sanctuary, murder thousands, and send many more running for the hills. They sensed the urgency of the times in which they were living. They were living in the last days, just like us. They knew their time on earth was short and that regardless of the details, the day would soon come, either through the certainty of death or the finality of Jesus' return, when their sojourn would be over and they would stand before the king. And so then Jesus offers the parable at hand, the parable of the talents. What had come before is written so that we might remember to watch for the coming of the Lord, but then this parable, in this parable, the parable of the talents, Jesus tells us, what should we be doing in the meantime? As we wait, well, we should be faithful. But what does it look like to be faithful? Jesus offers us three specific characteristics of faithfulness. First of all, notice with me that a faithful church is an active church. A faithful church is an active church. In Jesus' story, a man plans to leave town for a long time. It's obvious Jesus is referring in, in, in a figure of speech to himself. Uh, he uh, is uh, right on the, on the cusp of, of going to the cross, and then he'll be raised from the dead, and then he's going to ascend to the right hand of the Father, and he's going to entrust valuable gifts to the church. So he gathers his servants and he entrusts his wealth to them, each according to his ability. Now, it's easy to miss this detail because we don't measure our wealth in terms of talents. How much is a talent? A talent, according to New Testament scholar David L. Turner, is approximately 6,000 silver drachma. Uh, You say, what does that even mean? It would take a day laborer about 19 years to earn one talent. That's a lot of money. So even the least capable of the three servants was still entrusted with this massive sum of money, far more than they could have ever saved up on their own. So what Jesus means to communicate is that any of his servants, every single believer, and certainly every church, has been entrusted with an amazing array of resources, this vast treasure trove of wealth. So think about this, Indian Creek. Think about the stewardship that we've been given as a church, our people our children, the relationship that we share with our neighbors in in Palopino County, the spiritual gifts each person wields in the building up of the body, our financial wealth, the physical campus that he's given us, the written word of God. See, God has given us so much, and it really doesn't matter if we're the church that's been given five talents or two talents or one talent. The truth of the matter is we've been given so much as stewards of the king. So the master gives these talents, these great sums of money, and then he leaves, and the expectation is that one day he is going to come back and expect a return on the investment that he's made in his servants. And so notice what the most faithful servant does in verse 16. He, excuse me, who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. He went at once He didn't wait around. The word means immediately. He didn't wait for a windfall. He didn't sit on his hands or hem and haw. He got busy. The faithful servant is an active servant. And folks, a faithful church is an active church. 
Now, this is a parable. It's an earthly story that illustrates a heavenly truth. So Jesus isn't telling us today that in order to be faithful, we need to take the money that we have in the bank and go and trade with it and make more money. That's not the point. That's the earthly picture. What's the heavenly truth? The heavenly truth is that we've been given so much, not so that we can kind of rest comfortably on our laurels and relax, but so that we might use the gifts with which we've been entrusted in order to gain a heavenly profit, to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. A faithful church is an active church. Now contrast that with the unfaithful servant. Do you see what happens? He goes out and he finds a quiet spot and he buries the money and he does absolutely nothing with it. When the time comes for the master to assess the servants, he calls this guy wicked and slothful. He wasn't active. He was lazy. He wasn't using the stewardship he had been given in order to turn a profit for his master. He was a bum. See, an unfaithful servant is a lazy servant. A faithful servant is an active servant. A faithful church is an active church. The same is true with regard to a church like Indian Creek. If we're going to be faithful, we cannot simply maintain the bare minimum and sort of play defense as a church. We have to play offense. We have to move. We have to act. This is one of the things that I love about Indian Creek. I mean, you just heard me pray for like half a dozen people who are out there doing what God has called them to do. I mean, isn't it wonderful to be a part of a church where that's going on? Almost every week, things like that are taking place. Most of this doesn't get published on, high, uh, on social media or highlighted on social media. A lot of it takes place outside of the auspices of the official ministry programs of Indian Creek Baptist Church. A lot of it's informal. But, but Indian Creek, so many believers that belong to our church family are active serving the Lord. They're not just sitting back getting comfortable. They're doing what God's called them to do. But folks, as a church, if there was ever a time when we as a church needed to be active, it's now. On the one hand, the needs are as great as they've ever been for the first time in the history of the United States. Think about this. More than half of the nation's residents have no religious affiliation at all. That's not Catholic, not not Baptist, not Muslim, not Buddhist, nothing. They have no religious affiliation at all. More than half of the residents of the United States of America. And if you think that the city of Mineral Wells is sort of like the exception to the rule, think again. I cannot tell you how many dozens of people tell me things like, "Oh, oh yeah, I used to go to that church a long time ago. You know, I I think my grandmother belongs to that church over there. And it's always something that happened in the past or something some other family member does, but it's not really something that they're involved in. Have you ever noticed that in your own personal conversations with people in our city? Think about your own acquaintances. How many used to belong to a local church? If you live in and around Mineral Wells, I'm telling you, you are living in a post-Christian culture. It's true. A culture in which the teachings of the Bible and the rhythms of gathering and scattering as the people of God are for most of our neighbors just echoes of the past. The need is as great as it's ever been. 
Not only that, but the opportunities, I would argue, are shaping up to be more numerous and more, uh, more exciting than perhaps they've ever been. Families are buying land. They're planning to build homes in our backyard at a fever pitch. You all know this. You can see it. And I know it makes you feel some kind of way. You know, like the traffic is going to be worse and people, you know, where I had a view. Now I don't have a view. Somebody's building a house there. And I get all that. But clear it aside and think about the ministry opportunities People who know a lot more about these things than I do have told me that our county is going to double in population by 2030. That's less than 10 years from now. Double. And can any of us deny it? I mean, you can see it when you're driving down the street. It's happening right in front of our eyes. So what does that mean? It means that in order for us to be a faithful church, a church that's committed to the mission that God has given us, then we must be an active church. We, we must be willing to act and take the necessary steps to pursue a spiritual profit for our master. You see, if Indian Creek is a place where we sing and we preach and we pray and we teach correct doctrine where we greet each other politely and we smile and we're really nice to each other, but we aren't active, striving for progress and profit for our master, fighting for souls, straining toward the prize, then in no way can we say that we are a faithful church. Let's be faithful. Let's be active. Let's be about the business that our master left us on the earth to do. A faithful church is an active church, but secondly, notice with me that a faithful church is a bold church. A faithful church is a bold church. Now, this is a little bit surprising. Look at what happens in our story to the third servant, the one who buried his talent in the sand. Look what he says in verse 25. He says, I was afraid. I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. And it's almost like this guy expected to be commended because of his safety and his, his concern to do the most secure thing. And I mean, it makes a certain kind of sense. The other guys traded with the money. They took risks with the money that the master had given them. And he makes sure his master is going to get back that which he put in. Everything you gave me is still here. And because he was fearful, because he played it safe, his master calls him out. At least you could have put it in the bank. I would have gained some interest off of it. See, that's not a faithful servant. The master expected him to be bold. He expected him to take a risk and then work hard in order to ensure that the risk would be uh, it wasn't a gamble, but a profitable investment. So a faithful church is a bold church. Here's what I mean. A faithful church, listen, is a church that is willing to take on a little bit of risk. Not, not a gamble, not just rolling the dice, but risk. If we aren't doing things that are at least a little bit risky, a little bit dangerous to us, then we are not being faithful. And let me give you a few examples of what I mean. If we're going to, to be faithful, we need to be willing to take some risks when it comes to the things that we teach. Here's what I mean. Folks, I, I, I don't know why this would ever happen, but if some reporter culled through all the sermons that, that I preach here at Indian Creek or went through all the different things that are being taught in equipment classes or Awana, then the world, folks, would blast us and some of our neighbors would blast us for some of those things that we say because some of the things that we say that come from this book are just not popular with our neighbors. So we risk, we're willing to risk unpopularity in order to, do, in order to be faithful. We need to be willing to take that risk. Another example, if we're going to be faithful, we need to 
be willing to take some risks when it comes to our people. I just assume that some of the most godly and gifted people in our church, God might one day tap on the shoulder and say, I want you to go do this ministry somewhere else. And the the time may come when they leave Indian Creek, not because they're angry at somebody, but because God's deployed them into some other ministry. And we need to be willing to take that risk as a church. We don't exist to be a dream team of all the most wonderful people in Mineral Wells. And you are all wonderful. (laughs) But I hope we don't think that we're just assembling the dream team and then just riding on into eternity. No, God might, be ha- might have some of you here for a temporary time so that he can deploy you somewhere else in the near future. And that's okay. We need to be willing to take risks for the master. So if we ever reach the point where we invest in church planning, for example, or restarting or re- revitalizing another local church here in our area, then guess what? That's going to mean that healthy Wonderful Christians who belong to Indian Creek now may end up going with that other church in the future. You know know what that looks like? That looks like the room is full one week and then you show up for church the next week and now 80 people are gone because they're out planning another church. Folks, we are not here to serve ourselves. We're here to serve the master. And if we're going to be faithful, it's going to involve risk. It's going to involve boldness and we need to be able to be risky even with our people. If we're going to be faithful and we need to be willing to take some risks when it comes to our finances. I'm not talking about being foolish. I'm not talking about being stupid or taking a gamble or rolling the dice. I'm talking about being willing to walk through seasons of greater vulnerability for the sake of the kingdom. And I will just tell you, folks, uh, for those of you who haven't been here for many years, Uh, This has not been our situation, at least for the time that I have been at Indian Creek. We have not had to walk through that because of God's provision and because of the the generosity of uh, the members of Indian Creek Baptist Church. We have always had money in the bank. And the time, I think, is going to come when we need to be able to say, let's put ourselves out there. Let's be willing to expose ourselves to some financial vulnerability, not stupidity, but for the sake of the kingdom to say, I'm going to be bold and we're going to have faith and we're going to take some steps because we want to be a faithful church. If we're going to be a faithful church, we need to be an active church. We need to be a bold church. Thirdly, though, a faithful church is an accountable church. A faithful church is an accountable church. See, really all the other stuff comes down to this. We are accountable to the master. We're not accountable to ourselves. We're not necessarily accountable to everybody else. We're accountable to one master. Jesus says that after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And it seems to me that there may be some people in this room, even today, or maybe listening online, that are not Christians. So let me just explain what this means. Uh, this, is, this is what's illustrated here is so central to the teachings of the Bible and the faith commitments of the people who really follow Jesus that you need to understand what it means. You see, part of following Christ is the recognition that one day we will give an account to him. You see, you might think that your existence 
is just a culmination of accidents, that you're here on earth because of the impersonal processes of the universe, that you're just here by accident, you weren't made, you're just here, and for that reason, the only person you are ultimately accountable to is yourself. Like, be true to yourself, be true to your heart, and if that's the way that you think, then that is, you need to know that that is totally antithetical to the teachings of the Bible from cover to cover. See, what the Bible teaches is, that's, that way of thinking is totally implausible. And, and you know this, you know that you are more than just a body. You, you know that you're more than just a, a walking animal. You know that there's something more. You have a sense of transcendence and eternity and true universal justice. The reason why you have that sense is because you, all of you, are a wonderful creation of the most wonderful being in the entire universe. He made you for a reason, and he has designed you to bear his image in the world, and he tells us in the Bible what that kind of life looks like, and because our inner selves have been twisted out of proportion, we choose to rebel against this design, but God in his mercy sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to be that obedient son that we were supposed to be. And to take the punishment that we earned when he offered his life as a sacrifice on the cross. And then he raised him from the dead. And he sent his spirit so that sinners could walk in in obedience to him and be forgiven. And one day, raised with him to spend eternity fulfilling their destiny in new creation. And part of, part of walking in that reality is part of living by faith in Jesus. Part of laying aside our rebellion is this recognition that I am not ultimately accountable to anyone else but him. That ultimately, he is my father. He is my judge. He alone will have the final say. And so, folks, if we're going to be faithful servants, to kind of bring it back to us as a church, if we're going to be a faithful church, then we must be an accountable church. Our first and final concern ought to be what is most pleasing to the Lord. What is it that he will say about this decision or that decision on the day when I stand before his throne? It's not, am I going to be happy I made this decision tomorrow or even 10 years from now? But what about 100 years from now or 1,000 years from now? When I'm standing before the throne, am I going to be glad that I did what I did back in 2021 in the fall of 2021? That's the real question. What will I be glad to have done when I come to stand before his throne. Great American preacher Jonathan Edwards lived this way. As a young man, he penned dozens of personal resolutions, commitments to the Lord. Uh, Here's an example. He said, resolved that I will live so as I wish I had done when I come to die. I will live so as I wish I had done when I come to die. Here's another one. Resolve to act as I think I will judge would have been best and most prudent when I come into the future world. Resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I expected it would not be above an hour before I should hear the last trumpet. Now in that fancy language, here's what Jonathan Edwards is saying. I am accountable to the Lord. He is my master. He is my judge. And so I'm going to make decisions based on what God wants me to do. Folks, that's as a church what we need to do as well. This is the decision before us over the next several weeks. It's simply this. When the day comes... That the master returns or calls me home to himself, 
What will he have wanted me to do in this situation? What will we be glad to have done as a church when the day comes for us to stand before the Lord? When the day comes for the master to return and to say, what have you done with the talent that I entrusted to you? What will he want to hear from us? Now I can ask the question, but you are the one that needs to answer it for yourself. Make no mistake, I'm thinking about the day when I stand before the master. So I'm not going to tell you what God wants to hear because I'm thinking about what he wants to hear from me. I can tell you that you've got to invest your talent. But I can't tell you where and how to invest your talent. But then look what happens, folks. For the servants who have been active, who have been bold, who have been accountable, Jesus' words are, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. See, folks, the next several weeks are very important to the life of our church, and you're going to have some time to think through what is it that God wants me to do with this talent, my little portion of what God has invested in Indian Creek Baptist Church and in me as an individual And that's a difficult question to answer. But here's what I would ask you to start with. I would ask you to start with uh, a simple commitment. This, here's how I would put it. Lord, I want to be faithful. I want to be active. I want to be bold. I want to be accountable. Will you commit to praying this simple two-part prayer over the next several weeks? Part one, Lord, what will our church be glad to have done when the day comes for us to give account. That's part one. Lord, what will our church be glad to have done when the day comes for us to give an account? Part two, Lord, what will I and my family be glad to have done when the day comes for us to give an account? I mean, I don't know about you. I want to hear well done. And I know that God has promised in his word in the book of James that if any man lacks wisdom, then, and, and he asks in faith that God is going to freely give the wisdom that we require. That's what we need as a church and as individuals. And if you will commit to yourself, I'm going to pray these prayers. Lord, what will you want our church to have done when we come to give an account? What will I and my family be glad to have done when the day comes to give an account? If we are willing to pray these lines then I think God is going to show us what he wants us to do. So will you just take a moment now, and if you're committing to pray along those lines, would you just join me in bringing these things before the Lord right now? Let's pray. Lord, we're we're genuinely, patiently asking. On the day when Indian Creek Baptist Church is held to account before your throne, knowing that you are our master and that nobody else has any claim to us, knowing that you see all things, that you know all things. On that day, what will we, have, what, what will we be glad to have done in the fall of 2021? Would you show us what that thing is? Father, when I stand before you as an individual, 
and give an account for the way that I led my family and the way that I managed the life that you've entrusted to me. Would you show me what will I be glad to have done when I stand before your throne and give an account? Father, are there ways where we are bringing assumptions to the table? Would you show us what those assumptions are and help us to cast them aside? Would you open us up to the teaching of your word and to the leading of your spirit and make it clear to all of us, what is it that at that day we will be glad to have done today? Father, we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.